This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Monday, May 10th, and this is Season 5, Episode 35 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Nathan. Hello. Uh, Joe. Hi there, folks. And Catherine. Hi. Well, um, I want to start the conversation today with uh, a question that we got from uh, the, the Pub Zone Peter. And Peter asks us, uh, I lost the question, of course, but uh, here it is. Peter asks us, uh, assuming we all lived in England, how many of the panel would go to the protest on the 15th? And if yes, would it be just an excuse for a good piss-up or as a true statement of intent against the board? So I think this is probably a good conversation to start with. So obviously the uh, uh, the uh, supporters' trust uh, ha- has made a pretty clear statement um, and set up this protest uh, uh, in in lieu of uh, meeting with the the board. Um, are, are you guys in support of that, um, or would you sit at the table and have a discussion? I guess is probably the best way to frame this. Uh, so let's start with and nobody wants to tackle it. Joe, we'll start with Joe first. Um, I uh, yeah, I think I would do. I definitely support the. Um stance of the supporters trust and the sort of animosity at the moment toward the um toward the board it's obviously quite an involved topic and you know there's a lot of nuance to it but i think something that really struck a chord with me and we might talk about this later so i'll perhaps keep it short but the fact that they're so tone deaf as to charge 60 pounds a ticket for the Aston Villa game after the Super League. We've not really had an apology about the Super League fiasco. You know, they issued that kind of pathetic statement that was just, you know, didn't really constitute, in my opinion at least, an apology. And then I know to Americans, um, £60 might not sound like a, a particularly high price, you know, in, compared to American sports for tickets, but it, it is quite expensive in the context of how much Premier League games cost typically and especially the circumstances of it being the first game back limited capacity like just as a goodwill gesture it was a idiotic PR on a PR stance if nothing else to charge such an expensive price and I think that's kind of indicative of their attitude that they you know last time I was on the podcast we talked about it Enix and investment group that everything to them is about the investment and they they start. They need to start listening to the fans a bit more. I think so. Yeah, I I, I would support the protest. Yeah, well, and to your point on that, that like if they had just priced it forty quid instead, I think people probably would have tolerated that. It may have felt a little high still, uh, but you'd only be talking about what like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars difference uh, in the amount of money that they're going to bring in. We're not talking about major dollars here for the amount of people that are going to be in the stand. So, yeah, I, I understand your point with that. And I think we can certainly roll this conversation on the uh, 
um, uh, on the uh, on the Aston Villa ticket pricing into this conversation as well, because it really is all all kind of entwined into just tone deafness, isn't it? Uh, right, Nate? Um, yeah, and and even um, for me though, um, I think I and I would I would agree with you. I'd probably go. Um, um, I think especially, I mean, even after this was announced, since then you've mentioned the ticket prices, then you also have the game being moved to like, what is it, like six on a Wednesday? So a time when no one really can go. Um, so like, it just all, it just all has been bad vibes even since the protest has started. For me, though, it almost comes down to, because I mean, I've kind of, I've never been as kind of down on Levy and Enig as I am right now. I don't know if them going does anything, but I think you at least have to examine and admit that he, as an investment company, as Joe said, the investment in, in the in the rating of Spurs in the past two or three years, when we were kind of in the most momentum we could have had, has fallen off a cliff. Like we were in this brand new stadium, we had just made a run into the Champions League final. We had four straight champ, top four finishes. One of the best strikers in the Europe, if not the world, one of the best attacking, one of the most promising sides, one of the most promising young managers. And it's all gone in the span of 18 months. And it's happened because of decisions that Daniel Levy has made, where, where he's choosing to invest in the, set, the hirings and then firings of the specific managers. It has, the buck stops with him. So even just from a pure footballing perspective, he has failed miserably to his own kind of levels. And all in the face of that, he tries to then start the Super League when we really don't deserve it in any way, shape, or form. And then the tickets, the the non-apology, it's all just been a disaster. And you went from a time when you could probably say, maybe at the end of that, the last game at White Hart Lane, that this fan base, the management team, the front office were never more connected in a long, long time than we were then. And four years later, it's the exact opposite. Everyone seems to be on different pages. So I think this is the perfect time for people to show um, how much this is affecting them and, and it kind of really show how much, how kind of, how bad it's gotten with him specifically and the decisions he's made. I, I, I think you're right, Nate. And I think there is a time that you have this conversation with the club and, and maybe this, it's no longer that time. Maybe it is the time to, to actively protest. Cause I, I, I generally am supportive. I think it's always better to have an open conversation between the clubs and the fans. And I think the supporters trust provides, um, provides that, uh, to the fans. Um, and they are gen- generally looking out for fans. And, and, and mostly I, I think I probably, uh, my initial thought, like you're rejecting meeting with the club, but I think I understand it in this circumstance because the club is being completely tone deaf and um, maybe they, they need to see the protest to understand that, um, that you know, the fans matter. Uh, uh, Catherine, did you have a couple of thoughts that you wanted to add here? Yeah, it's kind of a, a mix between both Nathan and Joe, but um, I'm, well, I support the, the protests. I don't know if I would necessarily attend if I, was in England for it just because I'm a non-confrontational person. And so I hate being in those situations, but, but also you have to see that there has been some movement 
with Manchester United. They had thousands of people come out to their ground and they eventually had to change it a game to date and time because of the protests. And, and I know that there wasn't necessarily because of ticket prices, but also it was just about the Glazer family and, and then the super league and, and not, there's a lot more in that factor, but for Tottenham at least, yes, I, I support it. I agree with it. But again, I don't know if I would go. However, kind of like what, um, what Joe was saying that it's very tone deaf, especially when you take into consideration the villa tickets that they're too expensive. Um, I mean, I went when I was over living over in England as much as I could, and I didn't care how much they were, but also I, that was the novelty of being in England for me in that I was like, I don't care if I'm paying 120 quid or 20 pounds. It didn't matter to me, but if you're a match-going fan every week and given everything that's happened with not being able to go to matches because of COVID, Jose Mourinho being the manager, not having any semblance of tactics and, and forward movement and forward thinking about the club as a whole, plus with the indefensible European Super League debacle, Dropping the price down to, I think, and I know Arsenal did this, but they had theirs set at 30 pounds and people are going to be going to theirs. Whereas there are a lot of people who aren't going because they're 60 pounds at the lane. And so I think, like I said, I, and that Joe said that it would have done a lot of goodwill in the eyes of the fans who are in London but I just don't understand and and I think that similar to um what Nathan was saying about there needs to be a seat at the table and that um there should be some ongoing conversation and it's not the same but something happened today and and Nathan might laugh at this that I'm bringing this up but the Columbus crew were uh, surprised their fans about a new badge and the fans didn't have any say in the matter where the boardroom at Columbus crew didn't like they're tone deaf because they don't understand why the fans are so up in arms about the new logo. Similarly, I don't think that Enoch or Levy or the board at Tottenham understand because they haven't been listening to the Tottenham Hotspur supporter trust. And they haven't been listening to the fans. And and I feel so sorry, though, for the Spurs social media person or people because they're getting the brunt of it and they have they have no say in the matter. And so there's that. I don't know. There's a there's a chasm between the fans and the board and then the club. And how do you make it a cohesive relationship again or in the first place. So those are my points. No, and certainly good points. And it's, it's really tough for me because I know that we have this, uh, you know, we, we have like a owner that's involved in, in uh, on the field decision-making and, and Levy, like a partial owner. And, and when the front office is um, managed everything so poorly, 
it's it's tough to get behind the the club in general like when when your owner's part of the decision making it's it's not like you can say just just fire him it's uh, you can say Levy out but it's probably not going to happen um so it's it really is kind of a, a messy situation and i think uh with our performance this year and uh you know fans are just not going to be happy with with the whole entire situation um and we're going to be paying fines now uh for the whole super league debacle and what a mess but any final thoughts on this topic before we uh shift and talk about leads uh well thanks for the question peter like i'm sure there's going to be more to be said on future podcasts as well about this these topics but um but i think we all probably would support participating in that um protest for sure if not be there ourselves protesting um well i want to shift the conversation into uh, leads away so this is kind of another bummer conversation that we're about to have but um so we set up with the same lineup in this as we had against sheffield united uh, which we had a successful match against and i think most of us when we saw that same lineup come out we're like okay yeah it worked uh this seems to be the the right decision um we came into it um almost it seemed like we weren't expecting um how hard uh Leeds was going to be pressing us even though that's what they've been doing all year um so it, it seemed like we were unprepared in some ways um yes we had some uh bad luck with uh some of the uh the VAR calls and everything that happened here that kind of shifted the, the um the direction of the match somewhat um but ultimately we lost this uh 3-1 um it was a a big downer they had more shots they had more possession uh, they had more shots on target um what are your guys thoughts on this one how did you feel about this one i think Nate you're first um <clears throat> I don't think it was necessarily a surprise. I think it was more just like a lack of fitness on our part. And it's just, it's been a consistent theme throughout the season. It's been a consistent theme in late stage Jose Mourinho sides. It was something that Manchester United had a problem with. And it's something Ole Gunnar Solskjaer talked about when he first came into that squad. Um, It's just looked like we weren't at it. I mean, they could, they could press us, but it was also like they were, Aside from Deli Alley, I don't think anyone on our team really gets close to second balls and 50-50 balls. They just dominated us in those. Um, and they kind of just took advantage of our poor defense. Our midfield was kind of out of place. Pierre Hoiberg had a terrible game. Um, there were poor touches, a lot of them. Um, and even then, even despite all this, though, and even despite that, um, Hugo really stood on his head and kept us in it. But we had plenty of chances, too. I mean, this wasn't like a we were backs against the wall, lucky counters like a Jose Mourinho performance. This was, we, I think, especially in the second half, early in the second half. Um, we, we actually, I thought we were going to, I thought we were going to win. I thought at least we were going to equalize just the way it was going. Um, and then, you know, the subs came on. I don't think they were very effective. If anything, I think they made us worse. And... Uh, um, 
we pushed everybody forward and they got one on the corner uh, on the counter to make a three one when we needed to try to do everything we could to score. So I, I didn't think of it as the absolute disaster. I think other people did, but I can see why we thought that way just because yeah, they did have a lot of opportunities, but it's also like, it's something I didn't, it was something that wasn't unexpected for me. I still think we could have won, which is disappointing because that was kind of shut the door on top four in any capacity. And this was coming after Leicester had dropped points again. So really an real opportunity. And then West Ham went and lost as well. So a really kind of huge opportunity missed for us. And that probably shuts the door on that. Maybe an outside shot Europa League now, but um, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, it's like there's not much more to say because we've all seen this story. And we all know the problem. And the problem is the defense and the lack of fitness because we've seen it a hundred times a season. And unfortunately, I love Ryan Mason. I'm so glad he's here. 29 this is his first managing gig i'm not going to like hate on the dude for making substitutions i'm going to be like thank you for taking this kind of stewarding role because i know it's really you're putting yourself in a really tough position with this team that's i think shattered to be honest so that's what i'm I'm really to just kind of rehash all all the same things every game almost seems kind of pointless now because it's the same story dyer was poor Regulon's forms dropped off. Surge gets too aggressive and sometimes puts us at risk. Um, LaCelso was kind of ineffective. Hoiberg looks tired. Like these are the same things that we've been talking about for months now. So it's really not. I don't think anything's going to change until the end of the season. No, I I think you're com- completely right. I mean, and for for me, what this what this match was, it was like the I felt like after it was over, I was just like, well. Now I don't have to hope anymore. Like I, 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 there was always the hope we could get into the Champions League. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like it was just like you know what? I don't have to, to hope accept, anymore. Just... You reached the stage of acceptance. Yes. And yes. Kind of. That, we went from bargaining to acceptance right there. Yeah, exactly. I made that shift. Uh, uh, I mean, in, in my grief. But um, uh, Joe, let's go to you next. Yeah, I just I raised my hand then because Anthony, you basically exactly got my um, same trail of thought. The, I predicted us to win this game purely on the basis that then we can completely mess it up later on against Leicester, right? It was like, it was a matter of when <laughs> that, that was going to happen. So that was the only question. And uh, But I, I, I shouldn't have done that because I deviated from, you know, we have the feature of Lucas's locks. Well, I've got an even better one for everyone if you want to bet on Tottenham, right? You just look at the fixture, and you ask yourself, is this team good or quite good? If the answer is yes, we're not going to win. If the answer is no, they're rubbish, we're gonna, we do win. That's if, You can literally apply that logic to the last four months. Go back to all of the last four. Since we beat Man City in November, that rule has not deviated in one game. The only game maybe is Zagreb, who were rubbish, and we still lost to them. That's the only one. But... um. Yeah, I mean, Nate Nate pretty much kind of summed up everything. Um, What I would say on Mason is, obviously, like Nate says, you can't be critical of of a guy who's just come in for for a couple of games. His remit really has just been to, like, lift the spirits a little bit. You know, he's he's friends with the players. He played with Kane. He's best pals with Kane pretty much. You know, he's kind of a a guy who's just going to come in, put his arm around the shoulder. and, and, And to be fair... I think that that he has probably improved um, the morale of the team, but he, when he's up against a coach as savvy as um, Bielsa, 
and obviously more so with Pep in the in the final, you know, you can't expect him to out-tactically manoeuvre Bielsa, who's one of the greatest coaches in modern history, you know, and he's got like three games under his belt. And I think there's a bit of naivety to the approach of like, we just basically went there swinging. We're like, right, let's go in and just we'll attack them. They'll attack us. We should beat them. Okay, I, I get that as an approach, but like Nate said, there's such glaring issues with our team in defence that a team as as good as Leeds are, they are a good attacking team. They were always going to exploit our weaknesses. And exactly like Nate said, if it wasn't for Hugo, we would have we would have lost this game heavily. It would have been six one or something. Um, so I can't really complain about the the fact we lost this game. We we deserve to lose it. At the same time, though, at the same time. There was the shoddy VAR call. There was another bullshit one. I know we've had them, and I guess you can kind of expect those now. And, hey, there's been a couple times when that rules in our favor. But that third goal, too, tell me the difference between their third goal and our, our second one because I didn't see it, you know, and it's kind of bullshit like that that'll bug yeah. you. But even then, like, we hit the post. Kane, I mean, he never scores free kicks, but he hit the post again on a free kick. Um, and we, I thought, like, we had plenty. We created enough. I felt like now our defense was shit, but we created enough and we didn't take chances and they took theirs. And that was really a difference. Maybe they had a little bit more, but they're at home. So like, we know this team isn't that great, but we know we can attack well. And this is now Kane. That's, I think this is three straight without a goal now, which doesn't usually well, happen him. Well, just to jump in before Catherine or anyone else speaks, um, I would say on that, Nate, you're right. We should have, we could have scored more for sure. Absolutely agree. Um, but we still would have lost. Like they, they. I mean, they deserve to win the game. In, and I agree with you on the Kane decision. That is, like, let's I, talk I, about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so it was an offside call. Obviously, the the line. Uh, you have to think that, that 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 doesn't lie. But I think what what the real problem with this was that the flag actually went up, and it's not supposed to go up if it's close. Yeah. Um, you're, you're supposed to play on, but I, I kind of got the feeling that they just made the extremely close offside call against us because the flag went up. So it was to support the lineman raising the flag, giving it the, the, the excuse that it was justified that he raised the flag. Yeah. And I, it, it did seem to shift the whole, um, match. Not that we started playing differently, but when that happens, it takes a lot of steam out of you. Like. You had a goal that that now you don't have, and the other team get, feels like they got away with one, so they're all of a sudden coming back on the front foot. Um, uh, I, I've Catherine, mentioned – well, I, I was going to kind of piggyback off of what you just said with the VAR decision on offside, but it's – and I've mentioned this in, in previous podcasts too, where – it's the ruling on the the pitch that usually goes forward and the, the referees who are manning the video assistant referee are supposed to almost support the decision on the field. And since that was offside, it's going to be offside. If Kane wasn't flagged for offside, it would have been a goal. And that's, what's so frustrating because it's also not, well, like, offside should be black and white, where it should be he's either off or he's on. But in the case of Canes, it's it's such the gray area. And it doesn't make like, it's mind-boggling to me of how that went ahead. Uh, Joe? 
Yeah, just kind of supporting what Catherine's saying here. That what really annoys me about about this in this example, but obviously throughout the season, there's other similar examples. But uh, like when Kane's been learning, you know, when he's been training as a kid and learning, you you're taught as a striker to stay be level with the last man. Like you'll know this, right, Catherine? Like they, they'll teach a striker stay level with the defender. Then you're on side. At some point, they changed level to not being on side, and it always was on side. And that's that was so. It's like morally wrong that Kane's doing what you like his textbook forward play of being level with the defender, and then he's pulled up on it. And to your point, Anthony, there's the technology that the. the the technology is a mess because where do you actually freeze the 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 lines anyway? Is it when the ball fully leaves the passing player's foot, Delhi's foot, or is it when he first touches it? To re- like, there's so many weird little things that we're talking millimeters. So you could you could basically freeze it at different points, and he would be on or off. And I just think um, when a striker's level, that's onside, and they've just recently said it isn't onside, and that's what I just find terrible like not just from a biased Tottenham point of view but just for the game like I don't get why they made that um change I think it's it's awful and it just it just felt so so wrong to have this goal disallowed no definitely uh any other thoughts on the goal before we uh go to our next question okay I'm gonna shift to our next question so uh Shubes asks us uh, at the real Shub and on Twitter um before the match, uh, could only have named four or five Leeds players. A, a lot of what they are doing is down to being well-drilled and understanding their system. Um, he said the, pa- the painful rebuild took Leeds 18 years, which makes uh, Joe, so at Northern Spurs USA, at all happy. Are we uh, looking at a similar rebuild? Uh, so he's asking, are we going to go through the same painful process that Leeds went through? You mean 16 years from League One, the championship? Jesus Christ, Shubes. You know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't dunk on questions from listeners, but come on, man. Like, no. I doubt it. You think we're going to get – I mean, first of all, that happened because they overspent. You think Daniel Levy's ever going to (laughs) overspend? The whole idea sounds ridiculous. Pigs will fly before that happens. So I don't see that. No. They didn't well, do I, a full I think we have marketing like, I, benefits too that that uh, the Leeds didn't have at that point in time. Uh, uh, we have a new stadium that's going to be marketable. That's going to be a source of revenue when things get past COVID. We also spend the least out of any of the top clubs, even though we're one of the richest clubs in the country. No, this is not going to be a problem. Anything like Leeds? I'm sorry, man, but what is this? Um, the, if you want to talk of it from like the team standard and having a kind of a some of parts greater than the kind of separate parts that we have or whatever that saying's supposed to be. Um, yeah, I guess like you can talk about that. I mean, Jack Harrison was drafted by the Chicago fire. I remember that happening. And then they trade him away for a guy that decided to retire and go into finance four years later. It's one of the dumbest moves I can remember ever happening. Um, and uh, Jack Harrison went to NYCFC. And then of course now he's with man city and he's on loan. But he, he crushed us yesterday. And and Patrick Bamford, he's always been solid, though. And I think he's just really showing out. So he's a good – I mean, they have good players. I, I and Yeah, and so – but, like, are, is there defense? I mean, who is that guy? Flick in midfield who just ran the show? Like, that shouldn't be happening. 
But that really just shows. I think it comes back to fitness. They're gonna they're one of the most fit teams in the league, and we're one of the least. And I think and I think that really really showed. And I'm gonna be right back, guys, because my computer's about to die. Okay, uh, yeah. So fitness, I think you're you're dead on there with that, Nate. That this was a fitness issue with with leads way more than it was uh, um, a talent level. I not that they don't have talent, but um, but they they are fit and they have a system and they know how to play that system and they're never going to veer from that system. So they don't ever get into their own heads because they know what they're supposed to do at all times. Uh, Catherine, yeah, I agree with Nathan about. Tottenham won't become the leads of 16 years ago and we won't fall to obscure semi-obscurity. Um, but to that point, I was thinking about this question cause I saw it on social media earlier and to the point of fitness where it reminds me of, and I don't know if any of you have seen this, but in the movie miracle about the 1980 U S Olympic hockey team where they drill and train and practice constantly all day long to beat the rush or the USSR team. And that's what it seems like for Tottenham where we're not to that point. And in, in the movie and in history too, like the U S just got crushed every time that they played the Russians, but that's what it seemed like has happened over the past two, three years, even during Pochettino, because they just kind of fell off the cliff. They weren't motivated. The team wasn't. And they weren't being as drilled into fitness and in tactics when Mourinho was in charge. And so we just have to get back up to speed. We have some of the the quality players and the pieces. I know some are kind of deadwood and, and should be transferred out or just sold or whatever. But a lot of a lot of the players can be coached and taught and practiced to get up to fitness and to they can be taught to be tactical and think data mind, mindedly and know how to run in triangles and pass in triangles and like go ahead of the ball and and that's what we saw a lot in the leads match in that they were just a lot quicker. They were a lot faster, they faster of mind, faster of, of actually physically moving. And we've been there in the past. It just has dipped in the past few years and we'll get there again, but I don't think it's going to take 16 to 18 years. Uh, Joe. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Catherine. I totally with you on that. Um, there's a couple of examples. Oh, actually, I'll, I'll answer Shubes. And <laughs> again, Shubes, we, we all love you, mate, but you're kidding me. Like, this will be our second. Well, sorry, this will be our first non top six finish since like 2014. Was it 13, 14? We could still finish in the top six. We're not going to finish in the top six, mate. It's not. 20 bucks. No... 20 bucks. Uh, all right, let's do it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm on. We're on. Um, no, well, even if we do, we're in the bloody no. If we finish top, if we finish sixth, we're getting the Europa, right? If we finish seventh, we're in this bloody conference league that is like we're going to be playing teams from Finland and stuff like that. That's going to be embarrassing. Uh, okay, but at hey, least I've made at least that'd I've be made a good away bucks. travel when a, <laughs> yeah. when away games. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a fa- fair <laughs> like, way. You're like, if it's like Tromso territory in Norway, where we're all the way up north and it's like yeah. the Sandalips, I don't know. I'd love to go get some like furry hat that has the cockerel on it. Hey, Lu- Lucas is going to have one of those. He's got Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> everything, mate. He definitely got a furry hat. But just to um, just to echo what um, Catherine was saying then, and I, I've been thinking this too, right? Like, there's been a, people are overreacting a lot to me. Like, I hear all this doom and gloom, and in the like she, the Facebook group, you know, our Facebook page, everyone's so like, you know, doomsday. Like, a couple of examples. Look at Chelsea, right? Look where Chelsea were this season. They changed manager. They went from Lampard. It wasn't working. They were be- below us in the table, by the way. They changed to Tuchel, who's obviously a far better coach and has got them playing much better. And now they're in the Champions League final, the FA Cup final, and they're probably going to finish third. And that's from being below us, right? And we're talking in, what, like three months, four months? I'm not sure exactly. But And another second example to back it up. If you remember Chelsea like five years-ish ago, six years ago, whatever, it, no, 2016 it would have been, when Conte was manager... They had a game, they didn't start the season great, and they had a game at Arsenal where they lost 3-0, I think. And he changed the system, just changed the system to a three at the back based on that game. And then they won the league. They just went on a crazy run and they, they ended up winning the league. So the point I'm making here is this idea of like, oh, the, all the players are useless. We need to get rid of everyone. There's these. It's ridiculous. Like... Look at what Chelsea difference Chelsea have made with a decent manager. Like Leeds is a great example. Like you, like everyone's already said, Leeds are a really well coached team. Bielsa is one of the best coaches in modern like football history. We have been a poorly coached team since the end of the Pochettino era. We've not had a cohesive strategy in our game. We kind of go out there and just wait for Kane to score a worldie or Son to bag a couple and kind of hope that's enough. Like we don't have a. And you see that when you play a team like Leeds that are really well drilled. They've got a very, very definitive like approach to the game. And it kind of embarrasses us a little bit that we just don't have anything. But if we do bring in a coach who does have a kind of vision and can get these players... like You can't tell me Regulon is as bad as he's playing at the moment forever. He's just having a bad run. Like It happens. Like There's a lot going on at the moment that would give you... A, a bad put you in a bad space right I, I i don't think these players are beyond repair at all yeah i and i think you're right i i think we not need to and we're going to have a coach conversation at the start of the second half but i do think we need to have a coach that that can use the tools that we do have because we no. are keeping a lot of the like the like the, we need somebody that is going to drill people to fitness and We've it's tried this. Stuff. Like we, we we just did this. Like there is a, there's there's some truth to what you and Joe are saying, but it's not all there because there are guys that need to go. Sissoko needs to go. Winks needs to go. Dyer needs to go. And those oh, guys. I agree. Need to, I, I agree. By players. We need to cut dead Davies, wood. I would say I, Davies I, I, I think Catherine is right there. I think like there, it's not just it's not oh let's get the most out of the players we have. No, that's what we tried to do with Jose Mourinho. It failed massively. There are players that are good and can be good. Deli Ali is a great example. I thought he balled out against uh, Leeds. I thought he was fantastic. Like, he had that great assist. He put Kane in for another should-have-been assist. He looked incredibly active. He was really good. Like, it was, like, the best kind of kind of playthrough together that I've seen between Son Kane and Deli Ali 
um, that I'd seen in a long time. I was like, oh, that's why I, that's why I thought we'd get another one. And if you noticed, everything kind of got worse when he went off. Bale, I thought, was really a non-factor, so I didn't bu- get bummed when he got subbed at the time. He had an off day. But I really thought Delhi was when once Delhi went off, we looked we got worse. Um, so like that was that was something I'd I'd say like there's a guy that can be salvaged. Reggie and I agree. I think Hoybeer is exhausted, so I don't think like the form he's had the last month or two is really indicative of how he plays. But but no, there has to be some turnover. There has to be a lot of turnover still. When I actually said like Hoybeer, like like I I said like as crazy as it sounds. I wanted to take him off and put Ndombele on because we weren't really doing much to defend in the midfield anyway. So might as well just go balls deep and make it a complete shootout like, and, and start to attack. I, I actually thought that he was having a bad performance and, and, and we needed to make a change there. Uh, but I'm not going to judge Mason on making uh, – he's, he's making decisions that he thinks are right. Um, who, who are we to judge like we can sit here on a podcast and – and think we know better, but I'm not going to even judge that. But I, I agree with you, Nate. Like we need to cut this dead wood. Like the Sissokos of the world have to go. The Winks of the worlds have to go. We need to be better. We have to have better pieces to work with. Um, but we also need somebody that, like, if 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 we're going to stick with a guy like Regulon, like who's not that great of a defender, but he's uh, he he could be great on attack if he's given the right uh, strategy, fitness. Like I think we need to bring in a coach that say, okay, I'm gonna. If we're going regular in REA, we're gonna we're gonna have a plan that lets them attack. And I don't know if that's a three at the back, but we'd have to buy some pretty serious center backs to be able to do something like that. But um, but I think the coach has so much to do with what we do from here, moving forward. Right, exactly. Exactly. Like, There's really like this is these last three games are now kind of moot. Yeah. It's not just like. Let's see if something cool happens. Maybe Bale could score like six goals in three games. That'd be kind of cool. But like, it's just enjoy ourselves. Don't take anything too seriously, and take everything with a grain of salt. Maybe just because I think a lot is going to change in the in the in the off season, yeah. and we need a lot of change. Yeah, no good good points all around. I think this might be a good place to go to MVP, LVP, and so we'll start with just MVP. I'm going to start with you first, Catherine, because I, I know you hate to go first. <laughs> I hate going first, but I will. I will say for MVP, Hugo Lloris. Yeah, I, I, that's an easy case to make there, yeah, for sure. Uh, Hugo, once again, even for a guy that gave up uh, three goals, uh, like uh, I don't think most of us are blaming him for those. Um, and he did save so many more. So good shout there. Uh, Nate, who do you have? Yeah, I mean, Hugo's a great uh, point, but I'm going to go with Deli. I kind of, I kind of already kind of dived into why. And also because I felt like he's earned it. I mean, this is a guy who's kind of been banished. And what he's done since, I think, in the last couple games that we've seen him is he has impressed, um, especially this one. You know, it's the hair. Um, <laughs> I think, I don't know, I don't know if you guys ever, if you guys have watched Cobra Kai, but he's like Hawk. He, he got his hair changed and he comes in, he flipped the script, and he's a completely different player now. And he's feeling himself. We need, and that's we need, to, get, we need to get a... A chart. The script. I love of... it. Like, uh, I think we might have a good uh, uh, t- title yeah, for the that's episode. Yeah, I'm talking about. Delhi flipped the script on everybody. And, we need uh, to get a chart with his hair and how he performs in each, kind of like how we had with Disco Benny versus <laughs> yes. like, Afro Benny versus. Adebayor. I don't know. Adebayor had the different hair. 
Um, we should have done it with Lamella because Lamella's had several weird ones. Like, remember the faux hawk Lamella? And then there was actual mohawk Lamella. And now there's a the weird thing where he like, looks like he doesn't do anything with it anymore. And it looks like just like a piece of toast on his head, which is just really strange. To <laughs> um, but like, but yeah, no, I, I think, you know, Delhi has kind of just been transcending more and more into looking like a pirate as time has gone on. Um, I think it started with the mustache earlier in the year and the facial hair. But now he's like got the Jack Sparrow stuff going on yeah. uh, with the dreads. Now, so, so yeah, so I think, um, but you know what? It's working. How, how about we just do this the rest of this episode about hair? Like, can we like screw the rest of the conversation? Yeah. Let's just talk about players' hair from here out. No, but I think we should go to Joe with uh, his MVP next. Uh, yeah, I can't make a hair. I'm trying to force a joke about hair, but uh, Hugo definitely Hugo for me. He was excellent. I I'm baffled that some people seem to think we need to get another goalkeeper. It's so low on the, the list of. You know, the higher priority things, uh, you know, compared to that. Hugo was great in this game. Definitely uh, my MVP. Yeah, well, I think the one thing I'm worried about with him is that I think next year is his last year in the contract. contract. So it's like, well, I don't think he's coming back. He's 34 (laughs) and has like one year left on his contract, if not less. If we were going to sell him, it's because we want to get something back. Yeah, that that's a fair point. Because we're going to miss him regardless. Of course we are. We're going to miss him, but like Catherine. Catherine mentioned he's 34, which, but remember, for keepers, that's not bad. Buffon's still going strong at, like, how old is he now? 42 or something crazy. Buffon's I know he's an aberration of well, goalkeeping like in mankind. For, you want, but like, remember Friedel? You remember free, late stage He Friedel? couldn't leave his goal line. <laughs> right, <it's> exactly. Like, <laughs> remember we had late stage Brad Friedel and William Gallus at, like, 38 in defense yeah. Europa League games? We still made it to the quarterfinals. That, that I think good. I've blacked out all of those memories. Well, I remember uh, sometimes where it looked like uh, Friedel had like um, uh, uh, Flintstone feet, like where the, he's running in place for a few seconds, <laughs> finally takes off. Like it, it, was, it was kind of painful towards the end there. But yeah, um, uh, I'm going to split the difference here and uh, I, I, I'm going to go with Nate on Deli Alley. I think he, uh, he had a great game. I was sad to see him come off. I didn't think that was the right decision. I would have been supportive of uh, just about anybody else. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think Lucas coming on was a good idea at that point, but um, um, and Bale I think wasn't having a great match, uh, which is fine. Um, and he deserves to have some subpar performances at times, but yeah. But for me, it's definitely uh, uh, Deli Alley. I th- thought he looked good. It's great to have him back. Um, let's go to Catherine for LVB. I it was just so disappointing. It was one of those games where it's like, just do something like that meme with the poking of the stick and you're just like, and I think that that was a lot of the defenders. And so I would say either Regulon or Aurier, they just didn't have the passion and the drive and, and the fitness like we've been talking about to actually do their job. And so it was just disappointing because it's like, do something, run, defend. I don't know. Get a yellow card because that means you're actually like trying something. Fair point. Uh, Nate? Dyer. He was directly responsible for two of the goals. Um, 
it's it's like with him, it's just. I mean, there was that stupid header that he gave right to the dude's feet. But even the one before that, where he's just totally static and the guy just sneaks in behind him, it's like, how many times have we seen that with him? And, you know, it's extra, you know, it, it, it's it's a little bit extra with it because he came out with this interview saying he thinks he's been judged harshly and that kind of things have been against him and he thinks he's done okay this season. And, and for you to do that interview and to come out and have a crap match again, like, it's just the icing on the cake for me. And it's like, you know, he had a couple, like, I thought again, I thought against Sheffield and even against Southampton to a degree, I thought he had solid games there. But then you remember that's Sheffield and Southampton, and he comes against a half-decent side with with a solid attack, and he's lost. And so you could tell he was frustrated because he made, I think he made three or four, like, crazy runs up front. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but he, like, would make these driving runs, but they wouldn't go anywhere. And then he would just be out of position. So it's kind of like we're closing the blinds on the Eric Dyer sunshine at top. Yeah, unfortunately. Pulling down like the uh, – if if you see in the room, I have like blackout hangers, and that's what I want to do. I want to just shut up as soon as possible (laughs) because I'm done. I'm just done with him. I'm sorry, Eric. I loved you, but it's time to go. Joe? Uh, yep, yeah, I'm going to second that. It was dire by quite a long way. Although there were some other poor performances, Regulon gets a special mention. Um, yeah, I can't really add to what Nate said about Dyer. I, I agree entirely. He's, he in games when we're you know when we beat Sheffield United four 0 you're not going to really notice. He doesn't get tested and doesn't get exposed. But whenever he comes against a more savvy attacking team, these errors are just there's so many of them. Um, it's it's hard because Sanchez has been a disaster as well, and then you're thinking, well, Rodan's done okay though. I don't. I'm surprised Mason hasn't been going with Alderweireld and Rodan. I don't know if there's some reason for that. Nate, you've got your hand up. Maybe you know the answer. Go ahead. I'll say this because I saw a lot of people say that, and I saw a lot of people say Jaffet and Ganga as well. Yeah. But their last game was Newcastle, and they were terrible in that game. So. I just want to say, like that, like I don't think they're really the answer either. Like, yeah. I think it's maybe just it's always going to be the guy that's not playing because that's not <laughs> yeah. making the mistakes on the field. And is it too, is it too late to bring in Danny Rose and, and give him a number? <laughs> yeah, get Danny Rose back. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I don't, no that, that that's so true actually because I remember when Ben Davis was out uh, at the start of the Mourinho reign and we like we're like oh we're not doing well because Ben Davis we'd convinced ourselves that like Ben Davis was integral to this new system and then he, he came back and he was like oh yeah it's it's Ben Davis he's not that great <laughs> like yeah um I'm gonna just quickly mention um because I, I do agree it's dire but Hoybier Nate mentioned Hoybier and I just want to say like I there's certainly been a drop off there. But I, I actually looked this up today. He's played 50 games. It might even be more than 50. It's at least 50 games, which is insane. <laughs> That's, a, I mean, the amount of minutes that guy's put in. And I think we have to give him a, a bit of a pass there because it's, it's idiocy from the club here. This goes back to the whole board conversation and how much of a mess it all is when you've got one player who can play holding midfield in the entire squad because Skip's on loan. So... Hoybier, you can't come too hard on him in in that respect. He's doing. He's basically played two seasons worth of football in one year. Um, but he certainly is a, his performances have, have tapered off a little bit. 
Yeah, well, and I I think like it against the Leeds that was really quick at moving the ball around. Like Hoybier was just very slow at moving the ball around in this. Like it, it, he still does the defensive work, but like uh, he doesn't do anything to help us uh, like uh, spring an spring an attack at at least lately. Um, so uh, yeah, he was my honorable mentioned for LVP as well, but it's got to be dire. I mean, you guys hit on everything there. Um, any final thoughts about leads before we go to half? Okay, well, uh, so second half, we are going to have a conversation about some of the, the coach ongoing coach rumors. Um, I'm sure we're going to have that coming up for the rest of every episode for the rest of the season. Um, after that, we will uh, preview the uh, Wolves game. But first, we're going to go to half, and we have Catherine Spurs women segment. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Catherine, and I'm back with the Spurs women segment. Firstly, in this episode segment is an update on scores and the Women's Super League table. On April 18th, Spurs women grabbed a 3-2 away win at Reading in the FA Cup with Alana Kennedy scoring from a free kick in the 20th minute. Rachel Williams nabbing her first goal for the club with a curling shot into the top corner in the 48th. And then forward Jess Naz scored the match winner in extra time in the 93rd minute. After the FA Cup win was a frustrating 4-1 loss to Manchester United with Alana Kennedy grabbing the lone Spurs goal. And then most recently in the league, Spurs women were defeated 2-0 at home against Chelsea. And that said, although it was a loss, Chelsea are a top top team and on the women's side with Emma Hayes as a tremendous coach and their players are incredible and proof of that is that Chelsea won the league this past weekend and will be playing in the Champions League final against Barcelona that said as I was able to watch the Chelsea match as it was shown on NBCSN in the United States I can say that the play of Spurs women does look to be elevated And that is shown through not having these very one-sided results that we've seen in the past 6-7-0 that we've lost. So, and then in the last uh, games to cover, the Women's Super League match of the season, the last Women's Super League match of the season was this past Sunday on May 9th, which was an away game at Birmingham City. Thankfully, Spurs women finished the season on a strong point, grabbing a 1-0 win. The goal, which led Spurs to the three points, was scored by Kit Graham. And although the Super League season is over and done with now, the team will focus its energy and efforts on the FA Cup on May 16th against Sheffield United. And that said, out of the 12-team league of the Women's Super League, Spurs women did finish 8th. Now, even though that's not great, and certainly the team should strive for a higher finish, maybe 6th, 5th, 4th-ish, there were some positives to be taken from the season, including having a new manager come in with new ideas, plans, tactics, a little bit better of an awareness for the type and the quality of players that the club needs to bring in, and for those who are of that caliber, how to make them stay or to have them re-sign or sign. And then also more on the business side, there was better brand awareness, many of that in thanks to U.S. international Alex Morgan. All right, so now that the first part is done with, I secondly wanted to focus on some news of note. One is that um, 
if you follow Spurs Women fairly regularly and want to use your voice to honor the team, then go to the Tottenham website and vote on your favorite player and goal of the season. But do it quick because voting closes on this coming Thursday, the 13th of May at 5 p.m. UK time. Another item that I wanted to note is that Canada international Shalina Zadorsky has signed a new contract. The central defender will be at Spurs on her new contract until the tw- June of 2022 with an option of an extension for a further year. And this is great news as Zadorsky ha- has helped shore up the defense and has brought lots of experience, including her years in the National Women's Soccer League in the U.S. And as well, Rosella Ayan has also signed a new contract, too. Um, I believe signings like Zadorsky and Ayan, or at the very least, re-signings like them, uh, signal good things to come at Spurs Women. So that's it for me this time. And as a reminder, always feel free to message me on Twitter at Catherine Rupp for really anything Spurs. And now back to the pod, then. Thank you, as always, Catherine. I always appreciate that. And uh, so Chelsea's already locked up the league, then? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. and like we played them, and I remember I turned it on, and like three minutes later, Sam Kerr scored, and I was like, I hate this. I turned <laughs> it off immediately, and something else, because if you don't know, Sam Kerr used to play for the Red Stars um, and was like the best player in the league and got us to multiple, a couple finals in a row. And now watching her play for Chelsea just absolutely sucks the soul out of me. So having her score, especially against Spurs again, is just the absolute worst. Knife to the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't blame her either because she's getting paid a ton because, you know, it's Chelsea and they invest in their team. Yes, they do. They're going to win. They're probably going to do the double this season in the Champions League and the league. So they are by far one of the best teams in the world. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you as always. Um, I want to roll the conversation into another, get another conversation about the, the coach rumors um, I think some new names have kind of popped up this week. Um, I know I've seen a lot of odds floating around there about who, who's coming in at this point. Um, I, I know that, and I, I, might, I might gouge this name. Is it, is it Ngazi? Is that how it's pronounced, Joe? In, Inzaghi. Inzaghi, uh, sorry. Simone in, Inzaghi, yeah. Um, the Nazio guy. Yeah, I, I, that, that's about all I know about him, but you, you've watched them a little bit, Joe? Yeah, I, I watch quite a lot of Serie A. And Lazio, I've got to say, so he manages Lazio, who some of you may be aware are not a particularly, they're not a club I'm, I'm very fond of and many people might not be fond of because of their political history. That's Mussolini's, <laughs> it was Mussolini's team and they've got like a bit of a far right association with a fan base, which is rather unpleasant. But taking that out of it, you know, we're just about football. I'm, Sure, this guy is not uh, of that ilk, but he he's famous, really. His brother was a really good player about 15, 20 years ago. He he played at top level, too. He probably got a couple of Italy caps. But he was the bro- Italian Jermaine Defoe. He, that is a great comparison. That is exactly what his brother, uh, Filippo Inzaghi, played for AC Milan, Juventus. And there's a, to Nate's point, there's a Sir Alex Ferguson quote attributed to him of uh, he was born offside. <laughs> when he was talking because of his uh, goal-hanging tendencies. But, yeah, um, Lazio are really fun, though. They're, like, when I watch Serie A, I always look for their games because they, they're... 
I guess you'd kind of compare them to the, like Leeds, right? They're like this just kind of attacking, free-flowing team. You have no idea what score the game's going to end up. They're always entertaining. They they had a run recently where I think they won 5-2, then they won 5-3, and then they beat AC Milan 3-0, and then they won like 4-3. It was insane. Um, and they've, he's done a good job. He's got them in the Champions League. They went out to Bayern, which is no you know, humiliation. Um, but yeah, like if it's, if this is like a, a style of play thing, because Inzaghi, he played all his life in Italy. He's never been in Eng- like played football in England. He was always based in Italy. So there's no obvious link from that respect, but if it's a style of play thing, then it kind of makes sense. Like he would be the complete antithesis of what we've seen under Mourinho. He's kind of like a, um, you know, very attack minded manager, young guy, he's only mid forties. Um so I, I guess what form do you know what formation he uses typically? Well they play like a three five two, which kinda of wouldn't suit us really. I was thinking that too, Anthony. I, we if we bought two centre backs actually, that would be great because our full backs are more suited to to a, that kind of system. But our glare might be useful in that like yeah, uh, even that's a good point, yeah. So like, yeah, if we could address the centre-back problem, that c- could kind of work. But I don't know. Like, I don't hate this link just because he, like, they're so fun to watch, Lazio. Like, if, if they're worth Googling on just to watch some of the highlights of their games. They're always really entertaining. Um, but I, I don't know if there's anything in this, of course. But it's maybe one to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to look for uh, look some out of the league too. I mean, uh, we're looking at a lot of bottom feeders uh, in our league, and there's yes, they know the league, which is a benefit, um, but I I don't always know if that translates to what we want to accomplish at the top of the league. Uh, uh, is there anybody you? I I know Deitch is uh, on your mind, Nate, but is there anybody? <laughs> well, I mean, else? it's I'm thinking about this for like. Because Alistair Gold came out and said, like, all those Italian names weren't really in conversation at all. I think it's it's an indictment on how close we're keeping this guarded. The fact that the betting names have changed constantly. I mean, where was Gasparini was linked for a little bit. There was Sorry. There was all these random people. Um, there was even... Trapatoni. Trapatoni, mate. I thought he died, like, 15 <laughs> years ago, and he was on yeah, the list. Yeah, I didn't even know he was still alive. So, like... I really think it's really close guard. To be honest, I think I think you're being a little harsh on Graham Potter there, um, Anthony. I think I wouldn't mind him at all. To be honest, I think Brighton, what he's to be able to do, what he's done with Brighton alone, it might sound a little bit ridiculous considering they're like 16th or 15th, but they should be relegated for who they have on the field. Um, so I think he's done a really good job. I wouldn't hate it. I would not hate that at all. But if you actually want to funny as that translate to coaching talent though. Like uh, sometimes you can get get a lot out of uh Jose Mourinho couldn't coach our talent. I don't I mean Yeah. I who the fuck knows? Like maybe we need Graham Potter. I mean what people have said, there's been flicks out of the press that the players didn't mind didn't mind the link with Graham Potter and kind of liked it. And, and remember, they beat the shit out of us at Brighton. This year, they like ran it. That game should have been three or four nothing. And to be honest, when we beat them, they looked the better side in that game um, at, when Bale scored that winner. But if, I mean, I think one of the funny things was like every name manager that was linked with us lost this weekend. But you know who didn't lose? Sean Dyche didn't lose. And I think that kind of mentality is what this team needs. 
You know, I mean, we talk about, as I just mentioned, all these candidates that have been mentioned, and Alistair's kind of shot them down one by one. But he's not shot down Sean Dyche as a kind of option. And I think as we continue to look um, at these managers, and like Brendan Rodgers, for example, like Leicester's going to miss out on top four again because they're like choking away the season. Do we really want Brendan Rodgers' mentality in our in our locker room, or do we want kind of the gravel the gravelly voice of Sean Dyche kind of inspiring this team to kind of being hard nosed and kind of needing that kind of no nonsense mentality to kind of progress further than we have and kind of get over that hump. I don't think there's a guy better than John Deitch to be our manager next season. I, I knew you were going to find a way to spin, uh, spin it to Deitch, but l- let's go to Catherine next. Honestly, I wouldn't be averse to having Graham Potter or Sean Deitch just because I think we should go for more of the unexpected. And two months ago in March, um, and well, and Barty, who I mentioned, I think on the last podcast that he had tweeted out, we've had a club legend. We've had, and I copied this down, so I'm reading it. Uh, club legend, sophisticated Frenchman, big cuddly father figure, tactical hate, ketchup hating Spaniard, proper football man, man with the dossier, high pressing South American, proven trophy collector. We've had all of those, and. Who, where do you turn to next? And I responded. Ginger North. Well, and I responded, turn to the unexpected. And I put, I even put Emma Hayes, Tata Martino, Jesse Marsh, Yogi Love. But also, like, that doesn't mean that you couldn't go for a Graham Potter or a Sean Deitch. Because we need people who are forward thinking and can really get behind the team, but then also are. Like, they're not going to be like a Jose Mourinho who just rail on people all the time and and tear people down. But then also, I don't think that we necessarily can have, especially given like what we were talking about with the personnel that we have, like a Pochettino who, I mean, for the first two years, we were just riding high. But as I mentioned earlier, that just dropped off because it's not sustainable. And so you kind of have to have a mix of both of those, which is something that's unexpected. And I was also looking on another point, I was looking at analyticsfc.co.uk and they have a great article about profiling coaches. And the person who had done one and built a dashboard on Pochettino had mentioned that similar coaches to Pochettino are some like, uh, Van Bronker, who recently coached at um, Feyenoord, but is in China, so I don't think that he's available. And then Gianpaolo, who was recently at Turin, but also was sacked in January, so I don't know if that would be a good link. But then also, besides a lot of the Italian managers or European ones, or, yeah, the Italian managers that have been brought up, I know that one who is kind of piquing interest for a lot of people of, is Ralph Ragnick. And he is like the father, he's almost like the German Bielsa. And so that could be an option. But like I said, the unexpected, just have somebody who kind of marries the two systems or multiple systems, and then can actually work with the players that we have, plus bring in new players and bring up players from the system. 
Like it, it needs to be so well done because this is the new, we're transitioning into what Pochettino has said in the past of that really hard kind of period. And we need a strong a manager. Man who eats worms and lives in rainy Lancashire. But we need, but we need a strong Lancashire. manager to do and that. His, so. his name is Sean Dyche. And that's the hard man we need for the hard <laughs> With the gravelly voice, with the hard voice. And we did ta- tackle Ralph Ragnick on last week's episode, and he is an interesting prospect. Uh, again, like sometimes it's nice to have somebody that has a little bit of Premier League experience. Yeah. But um, and uh, again, like um, I don't know that he's won a ton of competitions either. So if we're looking for winning mentality, but uh, it depends upon what we're looking for. Uh, Joe, uh, I'm just gonna second what has been said about Potter as well. I, I really like him. I think I, I would, if it was up to me, I'd, I'd say he's the best candidate um, because he has a, like what Catherine was just exactly outlining then about someone coming in. And I hate the term like project when it's applied to a football. It's like I, I find that business speak in football quite grating, but I think here it is appropriate because that's what Pochettino would always talk about and that's how he viewed it right it's like he came in and for four years we were really good under Pochettino it tailed off badly at the end okay and I think by that point his relationship with Levy had just deteriorated to the point that it was affecting the team and I think that was what was behind a lot of it but I I would love someone like that who we would be patient with and I think Potter if you look to Nate's point at what Brighton are doing if you look at like their, I know this is a bit of a joke thing to say, but like their XG, like compared to where they are, if they had strikers who could kick the ball properly instead of Danny Welbeck, they would be top half of the table probably. They they actually play really good football and he's built a really good uh, side there with an identity because when he came up in that job, they weren't really a good footballing team. He's kind of transformed them in that respect. So I'd really like to see us go with someone like that. And the fact that he's got Premier League experience, I, I agree with you, Anthony. I, I I do think that's it feels safer. Like you never know. You can look out. You can get someone from abroad who's never been in the Premier League, and they can just do great. Like look at Tuchel and how well he's doing. But I don't know. It it just seems like a bit too much of a gamble for me. So I, I would go for Potter, Catherine. Well, and and also Pochettino was at Southampton, and he's kind of like that with Potter, where Potter's at Brighton didn't really. I mean, he doesn't, like, he's not too exciting. Pochettino really wasn't either until he got to Spurs, and then we were all like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? This is amazing. And so even though Pochettino was rather unproven at that point with being the manager of Southampton, but he was able to raise the level of Spurs. And I think kind of like what Nathan and Joe have been saying that, and which is why I mentioned I'd be fine with Potter. I'd be fine with Potter because that could also happen. He's, he has that proven experience in the Premier League, but then also he's a little bit more of like an underdog and has that mentality. Yeah. I mean, I think somebody that can build this up because it is uh, back to Shub's point. Like we are looking at a, potential rebuild and that's cutting a lot of dead wood and then replacing a lot of parts um 
And not one it. of 16 years, though. No, 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 not one of 16 years. Going to League One in the process. <laughs> um, but but certainly, like, uh, so a coach that that can go through that painful rebuild and 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 bring that uh, bring the the key players with him and 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 get them to support the project is going to be key because a lot of these guys have been waiting to have a chance to win and as I understand like a point if Lucas was here he would say like well those guys like they could have stepped up to the plate and won something by by now if the if the players were good enough but I think there's a certain case to be made that we're going to need somebody to caretake this project and and reshape it and and turn it into something new um keep the key parts, cut the dead wood, and 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 see where we go from here. Um, so maybe it is a guy like that that's been able to keep a team of underdogs uh, uh, floating with their head above water and um, in the league and safe safe from relegation. Um, it's definitely an interesting conversation, and it, like who knows where we're going to end up. It's probably going to be somebody that we're, none of us are expecting, but. Um, any final thoughts on this coach discussion? Okay, well let's uh, let's move the conversation along. Oh, wait, Nate, you want to make a point? Oh, nope. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, I I must say I did say we should go for somebody unexpected. So yeah, this is true. We got to flip the script. Uh, exactly. But regardless, um, let's move the conversation along. So this uh, this upcoming Sunday, we do take on the, the Wolves at home. Um, so that's Sunday, May 16th. That's 8.05 a.m. here in Chicago. Currently, the Wolves sit in 12th place in the league with 45 points. That's 12 wins, 9 draws, and 14 losses. Uh, most recently this past weekend, they did win 2-1 uh, against Brighton uh, away. Um, the, prior to that, they drew West Brom. They lost uh, 4-0 to Burnley. Um, they, they beat Sheffield United, and they beat Fulham prior to that. Um, upcoming, they, they have Everton uh, on Wednesday the 19th, so they have a short turnover, same as we do. We have a Wednesday match as well the following week. Um, their top goal scorer right, uh, scorers right now are, are Pedro Neto and Ruben Neves with five. Uh, Fabio Silva is behind him with four. Uh, Neto uh, um, is the top assist man with six. Uh, Daniel Pondence and a- Adam Traore both have two behind him. Uh, Neto is the top rated player with 7.09 and Neves is uh, 7.04. Last five times that we've taken on the Wolves, uh, most recently in December, uh, we drew them uh, 1-1. Uh, so this is uh, the 27th, so uh, r- right after uh, Boxing Day. Um, we lost to them in March, uh, 2020, uh, th- uh, three, two. Um, and then December, 2019, we beat them, uh, two, one, um, December, 2018, we lost three, one, and we beat them in, uh, November, 2018, three, two. Uh, so a lot of these, uh, three goals to, to one, three goes goals to two, other than the most recent draw, um, these tend to be a little bit more scoring activity that we've been seeing as of late. Um, I think they are a bit more of a defensive side, um, which we may struggle with. But uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Let's start with uh, Joe. 
you know, it's hard to get too motivated like for these last few games, isn't it? Now that there's no chance of Champions League, um, I'm going to apply my my. Um, th- this is where my system might fall down because with Wolves and Aston Villa, they're not quite good, but they're not quite bad either. So that's this could this could be a little glitch in my system. Um, I I think we'll win this game purely because Wolves have got nothing to play for and they've got a 17-year-old child playing in attack for them at the moment because um, Jimenez is still injured and the guy that they bought, William Jose, is awful at football from what I've seen so far. So I don't... Remember when we were linked with him yeah, last year? Yeah, we, we Thank were God, right? I'd rather have nobody than that guy. Uh, He's going to really score cool. now, watch. Patrick incoming for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, Wolves. Wolves have got nothing to play for. Um, They're they're a very beatable team. Um, Traore is a source of great fascination to me. Like, is he good? He must be good when he's that fast. But then he's got one goal all season, I think. One in Premier League goal um, and maybe one assist or something. So he he's quite an intriguing uh, two, two assists for sure because he was on our list. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So he he's he's always an interesting one to watch when you watch Wolves. The guy I'm interested in though for their team is Neto, who unfortunately is injured. Um, he's out for the rest of the season, I believe. He's very good. Only 21 years old. He's the kind of player that we should be looking at because he is. Uh, you know, one for the future. I, I think he's going to be a, a really good player in a few years, and I'd, I'd love to see us go for him. Um, other than that, I'm really struggling to think of much to say about this game. Um, it's obviously a bit of a. I want to say it's a. Don't want to say it's a dead rubber, but it's kind of verging on dead rubber territory at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a whatever the result. I don't know how much it's going to impact me either way, whether I, I get that excited about a win or that uh, the excited, uh, frustrated about a loss. But, Nate, let's go to you next. I just want to say I do I, I do think it's kind of a dead rubber too. But the fun thing is dead rubber games can be really fun. Do you guys remember that Leicester game at the end of the season a couple of years ago? It was like 5-4 and Harry Kane had a hat trick. Lamella had three, two goals. Or no, I think Lamella had a hat trick. Harry Kane had two goals. No. One was I an own goal. Five. Yeah, it was an own goal, oh, I think. Yeah, yeah, he, right. he got that's two goals and a goal, and one was an own goal. Right. And I wouldn't say a 5 4 is fun <laughs> because well, it's, it's, like, it's nerve wracking. There's one thing I need to happen. There's <laughs> one thing we need. we need to finish above Arsenal. That's it. Well, that's, that's Nate, if we would have lost that 5 4 or even drawn it, I think we would have finished below Chelsea, though, and we would have had to qualify. No, that, we would have finished below Liverpool. Was at Liverpool. I remember that that was like finishing third or fourth. So there was a we little bit. To, of, uh, we had clinched it a, against. It was a nerve-wracking dead rubber game. Yeah. No, it was either Newcastle or <laughs> Wright that we beat, and then Chelsea dropped points at Huddersfield. Yeah, and that actually allowed Huddersfield to stay up. Yeah, and we beat Chelsea... Newcastle, didn't we? One nil. But there, there was something a little bit on that game because there was a difference between third or fourth, which was right. Yeah, something... and we ended up beating out Liverpool. That's that's what happened. But yeah, but it wasn't like the it wasn't like we would have lost Champions League like the year after. Um, so, so it was much better, I think, this way. But either way, um, we are we're yeah we're in the kind of. It's really a nothing burger, isn't it? It's kind of what, what do we have to look forward to? I mean, maybe we can go for Europe. 
uh, or Europa League. That'd be nice. A couple of things would have to fall our way. But, I mean, you could say the same thing for Wolves. They really have nothing. They're mid-table firmly. They're not getting relegated. Yeah. They have terrible vibes going on. With I mean, they ever since Raul Jimenez went down with that terrible injury, and I think mm. he's coming back, so or he's back already. So, actually, that's fantastic. Because I thought he was actually going to go the way of Ryan Mason for a, for a moment there. So, I'm very happy that he's back. And also... Very happy for all the, the, my Mexican friends that watch him for the national team. I'm glad he gets to continue. Uh, but, but yeah, um, it's kind of just – and it's going to be – I think Villa is going to be the same, really. So I think it's just let's hope for an enjoy, enjoy a, a good time and a win and good vibes, the good vibes we wanted to end the season. Can, can we make playing to uh, – to... To finish above West Ham, a thing is that is that something that we can get excited? I mean, yeah, about? I mean, if we don't do it, Ham, I think we get Europe, uh, Europa League, which would be nice. I don't think we're going to finish above Liverpool um, anymore after they're because I think they're four points ahead of us now. But after West Ham lost, that's still possible. So, so yeah, but I, is that enough to p- motivate players? I don't think so. Like, yeah, not, so, yeah. so yeah, win this game, and I'm pretty it's, sure we we all but assure finishing above Arsenal. So I'd like to see that. Well, and and. Five through eight is so tight right now that Everton's at 55, Spurs 56, Liverpool 57, West Ham 58. And so it's going to be a really interesting next few games. They've got games in hand, though, haven't they? Everton and Liverpool, I think, have games in hand. I think Liverpool does. I don't think Everton does anymore. Everton and Liverpool are both at 34. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe we will Told you, Nate, you got get that $20 ready, mate. <laughs> That's fine. I can afford it. <laughs> get ready for Finland. On a <laughs> what night did he play the Europa Conference League? It's I bet always it's, night in Finland. Friday. Viernes de football. Like, yeah, or like three a.m. on a Tuesday night. It struck Wednesday morning. I don't know. Who knows? November in Finland yeah. when it gets dark at noon. Hey, like, I've always wanted to go to Helsinki, so I'll sign up for tickets. Just go in the summertime when they're not playing soccer. <laughs> Actually, they might play soccer in the summertime for all we know, because it's Finland. <laughs> Well, I think this is a I good actually place. love the finish. Like, I don't know why I'm being so mean. I don't love the finish because I don't know enough to know <laughs> to love them. But I have no ill will towards the Finnish people. They had that war against Russia and they held out for a stalemate. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> well, I think this is a good place to go to predictions. We're going to start this time with uh, Joe for predictions. Uh, yeah, I think we might just win this game. I don't think it's going to be spectacular, but I think we'll get a 2-1 uh, victory. I'll say Kane and let's say Bale with the with the winner. Okay, I like. Uh, let's go to Nate next. Five two. Um, Lacelso with all five. Lacelso, <laughs> really? I like it. Uh, you just think he's uh, due for uh, due. a day, a day out? Okay, I would like to see that actually. Uh, Catherine. Well. I was going to say 2-1, but just before Joe said that, I made up my mind and I'm going with 3-1. Because I also will say Kane and Bale, but I'm holding out hope for my Dutchie Bergvine for the third goal. Or wherever, within if he gets the first one, second one, third one. But He scored in this fixture last season, Bergvine. It's possible. I actually my my last game before the pandemic happened was actually the three two wolves that we lost. So 
I'm hoping I could also say three two win for us, but I'll just go. I remember being still bummed out about that game, and then all of a sudden that really not mattering at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still going with three one though, even though I should have said three two. I, well, actually, I, I I was going to take the three two, so uh, so I'm glad he didn't. Um, I, I think it's going to be a goal from Kane, a goal from Son, and a goal from Lucas. Um, I don't think Bale scores in this one again. Um, uh, yeah, I just uh, I I kind of have a feeling maybe he won't even start. But um, uh, any final thoughts, just in general, on this week that was the upcoming week. Uh, before we wrap things up, Joe, I'm I'm intrigued by the cat. What's the Nate's brought a cat to the to the party? What's your cat's name, Nathan? And it's Mark. an actual cat, not like a Catherine cat with a K A T, but it's a C A T. Yes, a feline. <laughs> what was, was Marcus? Marcus. Uh, he's yelling at the door, so I had to let him in before uh, I got unmuted. But honestly, <laughs> I have no thoughts. Does he fancy head. the manager's job at Tottenham? Do I? Or the cat? It's Marcus. The yeah. cat. Is Marcus? Oh, he'd be shit at it. Oh. He's, well, he sleeps too much. Well, next week, uh, I will be off the podcast. Tommy will be hosting, and we'll, we'll have, a, 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 I think, a completely different cast than today. So it should be an interesting day out. Uh, I'm looking forward to coming back for the, uh, uh, the final. Lucas is on. So actually, let's all talk about how great it would be if Potch came back. Because <laughs> we know how much Lucas loves Pochettino. <laughs> I heard those rumors too, like that. Like, oh, they're going to sack him, and we'll bring Potts back. But I actually, definitely... like we didn't talk about that. I would just say I want him to come back at some point. But I think if we did bring him back now and he got sacked, because I don't think PSG are going to win the league, which would be absurd. It's too soon. It's too yeah. soon. You've got to leave a few years, him, and it would ruin us. I think it's a horrible idea. Yeah, let it not, not. sit for a moment. Have him go to like Besiktas or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, f- f- fair point. But yeah, we didn't bring that up. But that is floating around there now. Where did Where did AVB go? Zenit. He went. He could the, always. He go to he Zenit. Go to Russia. Russia. Leon, right? Or was it Marseille? No, he was at Marseille. And he now he's Marseille. doing uh, now the he's Dakar doing, Rally, isn't he? The Dakar Rallies, and he's actually in it. Again maybe maybe Pochettino could do more of like F one or something. He can he can be a uh, PR dude for Cotter like he was before. <laughs> and it still is technically. <laughs> well, I, I think I, I think we're just running our wheels now, so I think I am gonna call it, and we're gonna wrap this podcast up. So, but thank you so much, everybody, for being. Thanks to Joe, Nathan, and Catherine. Uh, thanks to Tommy for editing and sound today. Charlie for the music. Kevin for social media. Lucas, or I'm sorry, Catherine for Spurs women update. Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic. Bar and Grill. It's great to be back watching matches there. Can't wait to be recording there in person again soon. Uh, find our merchandise at Big Head Media. Uh, we're both on Spotify and Stitcher now. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever you get podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Spurs and our website at 4 Come on, you Spurs.